Whenever you're ready, mate. Okay, super kick party in three, two, one. Okay, cool. Oh, 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 actually, hang on. Give me one second. Oh, yeah, so uh, you're recording, right? Yes. You know, me and Nandy are engaged. Yes. We actually set a date. Oh, my God. Congratulations. When? So it's a bit weird in the... (sighs) Japan, yesterday. (laughs) (laughs) We were going to do it this September, Nandy, right? It was going to be kind of October time this year, but obviously due to lockdown and COVID and everything, that didn't quite pan out. (laughs) (laughs) So we actually uh, called the registry office in Canterbury and we're like, maybe we should do just a smaller, you know, let's just go get married type thing because Nandy doesn't have the same last name as and all that sort of shit, you know? Yeah. So we're literally just going to do me, her, a couple of people. That's about it, really. There's going to be like no big after part of your speeches or anything like that. Uh, do you want to be my best man, mate? That would be an absolute honour, mate. I, I'd, be, I'd be delighted to. Over the awesome. moon. You don't have to do any speeches or anything like that. I felt really nervous about asking you. <laughs> no, I am I am there. I'm 100% in. I am Miro. I am the best man. <laughs> oh, awesome, thank you very man. much. That's really kind of you to ask. Thank you very much. I'd, I'd, I'd love to do it. I'd be awesome. over the moon to do it. I'd be privileged to be there. To witness you, I mean, essentially, you are married already. It's purely yeah. a paperwork exercise, isn't it? But as said, it's for his benefit more than anything, isn't it? We've been together since we were sixteen. I'm now thirty-four, so it's like should probably get it done, you know. <laughs> get that marriage allowance transfer that you'll be entitled to once you get married. Take ten percent of <laughs> Nandy's personal allowance and save tax on it. Yeah, absolutely. Ah, uh, he said yes. By the way, Nandy. Yay. <laughs> I don't know if you heard that. But she said, "Yay." I will take you on the best socially distant stag ever. <laughs> awesome, dude. Sounds good. Like It's going to be so low-key. It's literally going to be me, Nandy, you, one of Nandy's friends, like maybe my sister, and that's about it. Oh, uh, that's awesome, mate. Maybe Nandy's sister, too, because she has a camera. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> She's a good photographer. But, like, yeah, man, like, we had so many plans and all this sort of shit. I'm just got to the point where, like, let's just throw it out the window and just go get it done, you know? It's the 24th of May next year, by the way. Hang on, let me put it in the... Di- oh, hang on. <laughs> hang on are, a minute. Are you not around? I'm on holiday. I'm away on holiday. No way. He's away on holiday. I'm away on holiday. <laughs> I, I, go, I, I, go on the, I go on the 21st of May, oh, pending well obviously COVID, and I come back on the 28th. We can probably move it. We can move don't back mo- a week or forward. Don't a week. move your bloody don't move your bloody wedding because <laughs> I'm on holiday. <laughs> we'll talk to them because we were in the wedding industry. We can probably have a word and see what we can do because it's only like five people. Yeah, I mean, but basically, I'd really like him to be there if that's possible. You know, I can deal with all that apparently. Good stuff. Okay, that's a good way to start. <laughs> that's yeah, so basically, funny. <laughs> I'm so sorry. <laughs> Oh, um, mate, this is all going in the pod, by the way. Hello, listeners, how you doing? <laughs> I had this planned out for weeks. Just fucked me over by going all day the cunt, didn't he? <laughs> Classic upper-class piece of shit that I am. Oh, mate, that's so funny. As soon as I heard it in your voice, I was like, oh, no. <laughs> What's happening here? <laughs> I'm glad I checked and had it in my calendar. I'm going, yeah, I'd love to do it. And then the week before, my wife would go, we're going holiday next week. And I'd be like, no, in, I'm not. I'm in, Rich's best man. In all seriousness, it's literally going to be a matter of like, you know, hanging out for an hour, 
probably going to have a meal afterwards. That's about it. <laughs> so it's not like a massive responsibility, dude. Don't worry about I, it. I am mainly there for the friendship. I'm also there for the meal. Yeah, exactly, man. This is very much just like, it's it's been too long. <laughs> How long have we been engaged, Sandy? Since 2012. So eight years. <laughs> it's suitably <laughs> milked. <laughs> so, yeah, so it took me 10 years to propose. And then another seven until <laughs> we actually got married. Mm. Shall we uh, do a podcast about wrestling? I bloody love wrestling. <laughs> Yo, this is Conan. You're listening to World of Wrestling Podcast with Tax and Rich. Boom. Hello, everybody. I'm Rich. Welcome to the World of Wrestling Podcast. Here with my good buddy, Tax. Hello, everybody. Hey. I am the best man. <laughs> <laughs> Mate, I'll just put you on my phone on like uh, Discord or Skype or something. It'll be fine. What a treat. Coming from my little village cottage in Dorset. It's not even the sort of thing I can pop back. <laughs> it's quite a distance, to be fair. Could you hear Imagine how nervous I sounded? I felt so nervous. Oh, mate, I'm, I'm elated to be there. I'm going to... I'm now going in full-on search for the Sable Bomb t-shirt. <laughs> if you find it. Yeah, yeah. I won't say it out loud, but yeah. yeah. Hi, Nandy. How you doing? Good stuff. <laughs> <laughs> so uh just happy put, christmas happy yeah, christmas let's happy start festive, with that. happy christmas so we we were gonna do a christmas pod but christmas day happened and we all had our own shit going on we couldn't find time to do it and then almost immediately after Brody lee died and we're just like fuck man this all feels like christmas has ended already like yeah it was <laughs> the, the the one thing you know and it, it is horrific. There is nothing to say that anyone... 41 is far far too young. But to yeah. see the outpouring of wonderful stories and literally timelines filled with phenomenal, great anecdotes about Brody Lee, even the one like Cesaro shared earlier for like Ziggler's book. And he kept on base and going, and I had four trainers, including Tyler Breeze. <laughs> did sure. you see this earlier? I did, yeah. I've been looking at a lot of it because obviously got a lot of free time in lockdown. Yeah, and, and basically at the end of it going, Breeze did nothing. He calls it the Breeze method, and I just followed my wife's eating. I got in the best physical shape of my life, thanks to my wife, not to Tyler Breeze. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, yeah I mean, Bro- Brody Lee, I first came across Brody Lee um, back in, like, it's a Pittsburgh promotion. I think it was called Prime Wrestling at the time. It was him teaming with Justin Labar, who's like a, a Wrestling Inc. journalist and is on a um, Busted Open as well going against Kevin Nash. Wow, okay. When Na- when like before Nash had his 14th quad or something. And it's that's that first... tonight's show, but yeah, go on, sorry. <laughs> but that's the first time I came across Brody Lee. And it was like this man is incredible. And then obviously following through to what he was doing in AEW, you know, it was I just think he's just genuinely one of the nicer people in wrestling and and most importantly a, a great husband and great parent. And I think that's what should be remembered about how positive of an impact he had on his colleagues and his friends and his family absolutely man like uh, i discovered him via the american indies as well and then obviously saw his story come up to wf we whatever sorry and then off to aw and i was finally starting to get that break and it was so incredible to see but part of my experience was louis interviewed him when he stole the belt from moxley when aw yeah and i can't emphasize enough how amazing he was with his time and telling stories about his bed, his sorry, his kids stealing the belt off of him, 
and kind of taking it to bed with him and putting him in chokes and stuff and being like, I'm the AEW World Champion and stuff like this. He was just the nicest bloke. And like Louis had just kind of started interviewing people and like Brody was one of the first guys to like really give like Louis a really great interview and just, ah, oh, just the nicest bloke, man. Absolutely gutted. But that all being I said, think- we don't want to dwell on this too much because, you know, we want this podcast to be a bit of an escapist thing for everyone. And there's lots of it going around with yeah. Brody on social media and such. Lots of people I, sharing I, their memories that knew him much better than we did. I, I, I will bring back to, to lighten the tone. And again, something we've discussed um, a few times over Messenger and chatted about in the past about my potential return to computer game enjoyment. <laughs> sure. You messed so, me quite a little bit about this. <laughs> yeah, delving into your experience like no other. Um, I have recently acquired a gaming laptop so I can start playing computer games in whatever free time I have left. But rather than going into the fact that I am shit at all computer games now <laughs> because I've not really touched them, ages, I thought I'd just fill sure. you in a little bit of a story about when I tried to get back into gaming maybe four years ago. Okay. So this was around the time that Sea of Thieves was coming out. Right. At the time, I wasn't aware that this was the name of the game, but all I heard it was this open world game where you were going to be like pirates, potential co-op, open world, going on missions and everything. And I thought, I'll go into game, because that's a video game store near where I live at the time. But people in the future, they used to have shops that actually sold physical games. <laughs> yeah, because I was such in the dark ages of games thinking that you still had to go and buy you know, a physical copy of a CD. Mm. And, and I found out this game was available on the Xbox. And I was like, oh, I've heard of an Xbox. <laughs> <laughs> so I went into game and I started talking to this chap. I said, there's a game coming out. I don't know the name of it, but it's this, this and this. And I said, you know, could you tell me if I can buy it? And he's like, no, no, it's pre-release, mate. And I was like, oh, okay. When's it out? When can I come in and reserve a copy? Reserve a copy? Just buy online. Like, I'm getting <laughs> shit by like a spotty oik. And, and sure. he, basically said, he basically said, oh, it's out in January. And I was like, oh, okay. And then there was a silence and he just looked me up and down and went, you won't need friends to play it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that is genuinely amazing. Holy shit. And at that stage, I was like, oh, wow. Uh, okay, thanks. I went back out into the shopping center. My wife was like, oh, did you find out about the game? I was like... <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I can't play. I haven't got friends. <laughs> <laughs> Just to clarify, the point about having open world games is to meet random people and to play games with them and to make friends, you know? <laughs> like <laughs> He obviously saw it's... that I had no social skills whatsoever. Oh mate, that's so mean. Like, I've made so many friends playing random open world games and stuff, you know? Like eh, it's the modern world, dude. When I went to Sweden um in twenty ten the only reason I end up going to Sweden, my friends, is because they were big, like, Warcraft players. And when I got on the plane, I was like, oh, so what What do you mean? I said, oh, we're just going to go and um, the guys we play Warcraft with are going to just come and show us around Stockholm. And I was like, nice. have you ever met them? And like, nope. <laughs> I was like, so these, these murderers <laughs> sure. somewhere in Stockholm. But lovely, lovely guys. Still never played Warcraft. Confuses me. I'll stick to losing badly at FIFA. I've never played Warcraft because I feel that if I did, I would never stop playing Warcraft. Like, uh, <laughs> yeah. probably deserves some context. I'm quite an avid gamer. You are not so much, but you've been getting back into it recently. You've now got a laptop that can play these games, which is good. I mean, it's incredible. When I press a button, the on button on a laptop, it turns on instantly. Nice. <laughs> We're going to get you playing Rocket League any day now, mate. You're going to love it. It's going to be fun. 
I'm going to be worse at that than I am at FIFA. It's car football. You'll you'll understand that. You can drive. You know football. I'll lose 12-1 again. Great. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So today we are doing the Go Home Nitro for the uh, Bash at the Beach 1996. So it's the 1st of July 1996. WCW Monday Nitro number 42. Uh, This was live on TNT. Obviously, we watched it on the network. Uh, This show, just for context, did a 3.3. Did you see what Raw did this week? I didn't know. Raw did a 2.6. There's a reason why the show did so much higher than Raw. Mm. And not because Raw's content was crap. Well, now you bring it up. I did look up the card. So there's a non-title match between Shawn Michaels and a returning Marty Jannetty that goes 16 minutes that was apparently quite good but in fairness those two would be good together sure but this is by the time that my genetic is very much a jobber and it's non-title and sean basically just beats the shit out of martin pile drives him apparently <laughs> uh there's a singles match between mick foley as mankind and duke the dumpster drosy whoa that'll be the butts in the seat that goes four minutes key and worker he's allowed yeah absolutely <laughs> And we've also got Goldust defeating Mark Mero with a storyline that basically is Marlena physically assaulting Sable sexually the whole way through the match. So, not the greatest of content. All the big names. Yeah. So, I mean, it was a bit shit, to be fair. Yeah, but this, in fairness, you know, I know we've been a bit hard on Nitro, but the whole storyline throughout this show as we'll get to as each segment, crikey, this was some good shit. This this has big highs and quite big lows for me. <laughs> I'll just put it that way. <laughs> Let's jump into it. So a commentary tonight for the first hour is Larry Zabisco and Tony Schiavone. Tony Schiavone? <laughs> Tony Schiavone. <laughs> but then the second hour is Bobby Heenan, as we've been used to, but a returning Eric Bischoff. They put this over immediately as the show starts. So... Yeah, we've got Bischoff returning from the powerbomb through the stage by uh, the Outsiders, by Hall and Nash. Well, as they're referred to as the Bisco, I mean, he's referred to the Outsiders, but during his opening gambit, mm. bloody hell's a Bisco. Don't give away too much creative. He drops it in. So uh, just to quickly clarify before we get too deep into that, uh, this show is we were meant to have Coach Wicked on this one, which we'd obviously love to have him on, but... We're all in tier four lockdown at the moment, so we're not leaving our houses and bollocks are setting up someone else's audio equipment again. <laughs> so <laughs> we will get him on the second we can all get jabs in our arms and actually be together physically again. Oh, that sounded sexy. Anyway. <laughs> yeah, this isn't wrestling speak of getting jabs in our arms. We'll all get jabs in our arms and get together again. <laughs> like it's our birthdays. <laughs> so there's shit tons of pyro. And Tony Schiavone, missing a cue a few times, welcomes us to the show. You, you are looking live. You are looking live. That's just him missing the cue over and over again. It's really funny. Uh, As the first time we get to see the Nitro graphics with the kind of manhole cover texture appearing on them. I'm like, ooh, pretty graphics, D&D. Lovely. Change is coming. Change is coming. Tony Schiavone continues at the Cap Center, the US Arena in Landover. WCW Monday Nitro is on the air. He fucks up the opening line so much, but um, yeah, that's the job. I enjoyed it. 
as we've said, uh, you know, don't want to repeat ourselves too much, but these two on commentary is gold. Yeah, absolutely. So Shivoni and Zabisco, as Zabisco does his rumour salute, uh, put over that this is the go-home show for Bash. The crowd boo, but not for these lads. As Zabisco starts to talk, DDP, in green and purple, interrupts them. DDP's had his ring stolen, Tax. Careless. <laughs> Bloody Hobbitses steals it, they did. <laughs> the precious is gone. <laughs> DDP runs off in a huff, can't find his ring. I'm sure Kimberly can. <laughs> replay from the closing segments from last week's tag title change the outsiders coming down with the baseball bats putting over the third mad gimmick and as you say tags larry zabisco even says there will be a new world order this sunday in professional wrestling for the first time they drop the new world order on us all of the pieces of the puzzle are starting to come together. We've got Hall, we've got Nash, we've got continual referral as the Outsiders. And today we have the first ever mention from my memory of this run of it saying a new world order. Absolutely, man. It's the first time they mention on any of these shows. And uh, it's a bit surreal because you expect it, the line to come from, you know, that moment on Sunday. <laughs> That we won't spoil too much that we've spoiled a million times already. But it, it's obviously Bischoff deciding this is what it's going to be called. We've named it. We're going to get it over. Just start subtly dropping it in. And Zabisco's like, there'll be a new world order. <laughs> the opening gambit. It's pretty funny. It's interesting that that's how they chose to put it in first. I mean, it's good that the third man fucked it up. <laughs> When he said it for the first time yeah, after sure. the event. But um, yeah, it's really starting to come together. And again, if you weren't watching this in retrospect, if you were watching this live, you wouldn't have even twigged. You wouldn't have been twigged. It's just these subtleties going through the whole thing. Yeah, nice. Absolutely. So the ringside is surrounded by security. Bischoff's obviously back for hour two, as they mentioned. And how are we starting the show? It's Steiner's versus harlem heat for the tag belts and i'm like holy shit this is how you start a show boys excellent start excellent start but my question is as we've seen since um great american bash where is one of them called fire and where is one of them called ice because one of them is fire and one of them is ice i've missed them immensely because they were so much fun but in the grand scheme of things they very much feel like the past and in the last couple of weeks is dramatically jump forward. I think Most they're definitely. Done. I think they're absolutely done. I doubt we'll ever see Sergeant Pittman ever again. Disappointing. It is, but this is fucking great. I was genuinely hyped. The way that Shivoni and um, Zabisco kind of start the card off and then jump straight into this tag match. Like It's really interesting because production-wise, in the first few weeks of these Nitros we watched, they would cut to, you know, Shivani and Zabisco at ringside and they'd talk for five minutes. Then we'd jump to a backstage segment. Then we'd maybe have a match. Like, they talk for 20, 30 seconds. They've already got DDP interrupting them and getting over that storyline. We jump straight into this tag match as they're still putting over their bits, their pre-match kind of rambling and such. Like, the production is so much more fast-paced than it was a few weeks ago. They're making huge changes. Very snappy and- and good snappy. It's not like 
shitty camera cuts. It's the whole thing is very, very fluid. Yeah, absolutely, man. I'm I'm genuinely impressed with how much better it's got in just the two months we've watched, you know. They knew the money was there. This you know, they've gone to the two hours, they've got the TNT money to be able to like back it, they've got to Turner's backing. And now they're starting because as you know, as you know in, in, in your line of work, it's not a case you can suddenly go, just do this tomorrow. There is planning, <laughs> there is prep that has to take place with everything. And now you're starting to see all these changes, all these good ideas in fairness, well, let's call them good ideas, yeah, from Bischoff, saying this is how we need it to be. Yep, seems so, man. So, uh, it's the story of the two brothers, Scott and Rick, man, called Sting, Steiners, are great, etc., etc. The Harlem Heat have got their flip phone as they come down to the ring. Uh, These are just four massive dudes and Nick Patrick in this tiny little ring. (laughs) It looks (laughs) so packed out when they have the wide shot. It genuinely made me laugh. It looks like kind of like a toy set or something, you know? gets worse for the eight man later yeah I, I noticed it less and less as the night went on it's amazing how i kind of got used to the size of the ring very quickly but that opening shot i genuinely had a bit of a giggle <laughs> it looked really funny because <laughs> they're so big like stevie ray and scott steiner are big big boys you know it, it was definitely a, a meat meat filled arena strong hard boys you know yeah <laughs> So no fucking about, straight into the match. The uh, Harlem Heat shine up the Steiners, real lovely, cut to ads, come back, all the four of the horsemen and Flair's harem of lovely ladies are in Flair's VIP area halfway down the ramp. It's weird that they're still hanging on to this gimmick because, it, it, again, it feels a bit, a few months ago, we've come a long way in a short time, you know? Got a, well, I mean, they probably, again, had the arena booked with these seats not being sold. It's case of, ah, fuck it, we'll just use it anyway. Maybe so, man. Got to get flair on telly. <laughs> so halfway through the match, the crowd start to get distracted. And I'm so used to when this happens going, outsiders? <laughs> nope. <laughs> <laughs> Colonel Robert Parker turns up, a.k.a. Tennessee Lee. And he kind of hangs around at ringside on the side of the Harlem Heat. Which does beg, you know. Is he the third man? H A double R L E M H E A double T. What? Double J. I mean, the Harlem Heat. Yeah. Last in with the Mauler. Oh, yeah. Fucking. uh, My favorite tag team. Jesus Christ. What's his name? Beverly. Mr. Beverly. One of the Beverly brothers. He disappeared quick, didn't he? Fucking hell. It's probably because he tried to front up to Scott Steiner and they're like, nope. Mm. Don't ruin the storyline. Wow, they buried that so quickly. They buried him so fast. He's not been on any of these shows. He's not even been on any of the Saturday night stuff, has he? No, that was his debut where his match got cancelled halfway through because Scott Hall turned up and that was it for the Mauler. (laughs) It legitimately looked like they didn't tell him either. Oh, so good. Anyway, but but Legacy, he will always be seen as he's in the match. It's the Mauler. Yeah. That's it. One of the greatest tag teams of all time with the uh, most dangerous finish of all time as well. It's great. Break your fucking face. Yeah, Jobbers just got destroyed in that move, didn't they? Anyway. So, um, what's it called? The something high rise? I should know this. Oh, my brain's not working. Anyway, let's move on. Double down brings us to the finish. Double J. (laughs) Steiners go for the Steinerizer, the Doomsday Bulldog off the top. Uh, Stevie Ray distracts the ref. Tennessee Lee smacks Rick Steiner over the head with the walking stick. Uh, Scotty is distracted, dealing with Stevie. Booker pins Rick for the one, two, three, and still WCW Tag Team Champions, the Harlem Heat. 
who have got a new manager by the looks of it in Tennessee Lee going full heel. Which, at that time, based on uh, Tennessee Lee's background, I thought this is a mm-hmm. very strange pairing. Yeah, a bit odd, isn't it? Doesn't really work. I don't think it lasts either, to be totally honest. Mm, well, unless we get any more at the uh, at the bash, we will never ever know. <laughs> One of those the... things that will never be un- never be solved. Yeah, sure, absolutely. Because this is the bash is the last show we're watching. Much like with you know that certain person we're hoping is going to debut. You know, world's about to change into the realm. All that bollocks. <laughs> Fuck you, Glacier. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, do you think the Harlem Heat look a bit? pissed off that they're having to have Tennessee Lee as their manager or something. They well, don't that shadow of a doubt. Yeah. Having Booker T clearly knackered off this match because he went straight for the water. Yeah. Having that water falling on the ground to sell the like the violence of the match. And then having Tennessee Lee like grabbed by the hand going, stand up, boy. It's like, okay, mate. First of all, don't call him boy. Yeah, sure. It's, it's a really weird pairing, dude. It doesn't make any sense to me. But, you know, we're not going to find out, so who cares? <laughs> so, Mean Gene at Flair's VIP section, putting over the big eight-man tag for later in the night, which is going to be the horsemen against a bunch of other people, basically. Uh, they're going to be wrestling Joe Gomez, Renegade, and Rock and Roll Express. Okay, I didn't realize until later, when the match actually happens, but did you start to realize who the Renegade was? No. It's WCW's attempt at doing a rip-off of the Ultimate Warrior. Oh, it's Warrior, wasn't it? Yeah. It's before Warrior joins, and I think they couldn't get Ultimate Warrior to join, so they were like, fuck it, we'll just do our own. <laughs> it's this guy, and he's... Oh my god, is he the highlight of the main event? <laughs> <laughs> he loves a clothesline. Absolutely, man. So, uh, Deborah promo, Miss Elizabeth promo, woman promo, they're spending Macho's money. Uh, Arn promo, they run the professioning wrestling world. Sorry, Arn. Uh, Benoit promo, he's silent but violent, so he's a fart. Or, or a cold-blooded killer. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking hell, okay. Uh, Mongo promo, money makes the monkey dance. So does Deborah. <laughs> <laughs> Flair promo, I fucked Bacho's wife. Woo. <laughs> and I'm fucking Mongo's wife, and he's right here. I'm fucking your wife. Anyway, so a uh, brief macho backstage with Mean Gene. We cut to ads, come back from ads, swells about to change, enter the realm, bloods run cold. This is becoming a formula every fucking week now. We're not going to see Glacier, are we? Well, we're not going to see Glacier, but I'm really glad we're about to see your favorite WCW wrestler. So, you know how we'll get to that in a minute. <laughs> I need to take a break before we get into that. Don't want to get too angry on the pod, you know. It's been a weird week. Um, you know, we've got something planned for after this show. So after yes. Bash, sorry. We're going to yes, do yes. Triple Mania, right? Yes. Let, let's start Triple Mania by finding the Nitro where Glacier debuts and just watching him debut. <laughs> so I bet it's really fucking disappointing. <laughs> okay. I, t- I uh, tell you what, uh, I take it back. Let, let's, at the end of Bash at the Beach, let's talk about Glacier's debut. Agreed? Brilliant. We've based this whole whole series on the NWO. <laughs> we were going to be having some lovely final thoughts, and then we're just going to have the have Sub-Zero bloody debut in WCW and finish it with that. What about the beginning of Bash? No, fuck it. Let's do it at the end, because that's how this podcast works. <laughs> <laughs> you come for a wrestling podcast, you hear about me screwing up your wedding plans. Yeah. <laughs> me being a, terrible at FIFA. <laughs> Warhammer. <laughs> you come for the people, not the content. Anyways, <laughs> come for us, idiots. Yeah. <laughs> Ah, 
Moving on. Oh, yes, moving I can't on. Say to it, seeing dude. one of the greatest people to ever set foot in a wrestling ring, <sighs> and he's so going against Kurosawa. <laughs> Disco fever. Disco. Can you see how enthused I am that Disco Inferno is about to wrestle? Hold on, Nan's about to go to bed. Are you going to bed? Oh, good. She interrupted me. Awesome. <laughs> Not cutting this in the pod, to be honest. <laughs> Do you hear that? I did. I feel hurt and heartbroken. It's all good. Don't worry. We'll just bring on my phone or something. It'll be fine. We'll move the date. <laughs> I'll sort it out. <laughs> you can't move the date of your wedding because I'm on Who else is getting fucking married this time? No one. No one's getting married. So they'll be fine. They'll be like happy for the work. I promise. We're, we've been in the industry for like fucking five years, mate, doing videos and photography and stuff. If I come up and be like, hi, this is Rich from this company. I'm not going to say the name of the company, obviously, on this pod. Um, you know, move the date, dickheads. They're going to be like, yes, sir. Thank you, sir. Because <laughs> I will bad mouth them to everyone if they don't. So there we go. <laughs> yes, but more importantly, you're trying to change the date to get me as a moron to be the best man at your wedding. Oh, I'm I pretty you, sure though. that I you're soon there. Oh, no. I'm, and I will be honored to be there if you change the date. But don't just deliberately do it. Because I'm pretty sure your soon-to-be wife will tell you to fuck off. Mate, <laughs> my last... <laughs> in air quotes best friend I, I hate to use that term but you know what i mean i love you to pieces mate but my last best friend who i you know had that business thing with you know stole money from me mate and abandoned me when i had my first child fuck that guy how did you there <laughs> <laughs> i'll never steal money from you <laughs> yeah i appreciate that fucking day. anyway disco fever disco fever he's wrestling kurosawa do you know who kurosawa is I His do not, but he looked familiar. He did. His I've... former IWGP heavyweight champion, Manabu Nakanishi. And, the, and, and Nakanishi has to go against fucking Disco. <laughs> so Nakanishi is like the least prevalent IWGP champion of like, you know, that, that section of history and even modern history. He only retired like a year or two ago, but he's one of those guys that has like a real special place in my heart for wrestling, you know? <laughs> he's like the old guy that just wrestled kind of typical, boring, strong style, was never particularly great at it, but somehow became IWGP heavyweight champion in the time when they were doing all the crazy shoot fight shit. So like there's moments when shoot fighters would come into New Japan and like, just start shooting on like Ricky Choshu or something. And Nakanishi's the guy that would get in the ring and be like, come on a bitch. <laughs> you know? Like, I love this guy so much. And to see him lowered to the levels, having to do gimmick bollocks of Disco Inferno. Oh, makes me a bit sad, mate. Well, this gives point of link, because obviously I know we're not going to delve too much into the finer points of a Disco Inferno match. But this would <laughs> have, have been no the time. <laughs> this would have been the time that WCW had a talent talent exchange in place with New Japan. Sure. Was it yep. was it at this stage before yeah, the NWA? Because yeah, the whole concept NWA of the NWA came from Japan, didn't yeah, it? Yeah, it did. There was a a heel faction that I can't remember the name of. I was looking at the other day actually. Um, that was like pre NWA stuff. It was like a bunch of heels all got together and would basically um just win matches all the fucking time. Didn't have quite the level of bullshit Limo. that comes along with. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But yeah, it was. And eventually there obviously is an NWO Japan as well post that, which people think 
is the thing that influenced the American NWO, but it isn't. It's a different heel stable that was preemptive of this NWO storyline. Dropping so some knowledge, you, mate. I know, I know my shit. Was Nakanishi brought over here as part of that talent exchange deal? Yeah, that's exactly what it is. Uh, just to give some experience, they brought him back after this and put the belt on him. It's pretty how much how it goes. Saying that of people coming to get experience, I couldn't believe it when I looked at the card of Wrestle Kingdom to see who Tanahashi's wrestling. Uh oh, it's um a fucking great Okan. Yeah, that's the one. Yeah, he's been really fucking good though recently. He, I told you when we saw him, I uh, you know IPW bleh, that <laughs> I I really rated him, and everyone yeah. told me I was a fucking moron. No, I'm a fan. It wasn't me telling you you were a moron. It was everyone else, I think. Yeah, Mark Blake. <laughs> Put that in your newsletter. (laughs) (laughs) It's Kinmark newsletter. What's it called? PW something? Pro Wrestling? It's not that one. Pro Wrestling Post. Thanks. I always mentioned the other one that would be an absolute cunt this week. But don't follow them, whatever you do. Jesus Christ. Yeah, don't follow the torch. Hi, Bruce Mitchell, you absolute cunt. (laughs) (laughs) To be fair, the torch doesn't seem too bad, from what I understand. It's not like I read their shit, but it's just that one guy, right? Yeah, that one despicable guy. Yeah. Piece let's, of shit. Let, let's move on. Well, from so, one piece of shit to another. Disco <clears throat> Inferno. Will the question going into this match for me was: Will Disco actually win a match before his number one contendership gets cashed in at the Bash versus Malenko? And I mean, at least he bought the record out to ringside with him. At least they're continuing the gimmick. What do you mean? At least? <laughs> what does that at do the most, for you? Well, <laughs> continuity of storyline. He's. He's sold a million records of something. Mate. Mate. Come on. <laughs> I literally try and find this number one contender. How? How does this make any logical sense? How the fuck is Tenta number one contender for the big gold belt? Oh, Jesus Christ. Yeah, he is. Because he wrestles fucking giant for it later tonight. It's weird. So, Disco comes to the ring being a twat. His Disco balls in the ceiling. Guess what not, he says not, when not, he gets to the ring? Not centre of the ring either. No, not centre of the side. ring. <laughs> but there's a reason why now. It all becomes clear. Guess what he says when he gets to the ring, Tax. I'm a piece of shit. Pretty much. <laughs> I can't um, work for shit. As Kurosawa comes to the ring, we'll call him by his WCW name, uh, Zabisco says some things I can't repeat about rice in Japan, and I'm just like, fucking hell, Larry. <laughs> okay. <sighs> Disco poses. The bell rings, and I'm like, please, Nakanishi, just just kill him. Just absolutely kill him. <laughs> but he doesn't. It's so annoying. He's working so light. You're like, dude, all you need to do is one stiff lariat. We wouldn't have to put up with this bullshit anymore. <laughs> I just uh, feel so sorry for um, Kurosawa because, yeah. as you said, having to work disco trying to basically be told you must put this guy over you must make him look strong you must make him come out on top going into his match with malenko to to how this awful match finished man it's a disgrace just emphasize how much of a cunt disco inferno is he's wrestling a japanese person so halfway through the match he has to do like faux karate bullshit obviously because you know racism yeah. Yep. Disco Awful. Disco gets frustrated on the outside, lightly kicks the ring steps, sells it. <laughs> and you're just like, what? Because the number one contender to the cruiserweight belt is an absolute pussy, apparently. Good stuff. And he was teaching Luger to sell. Fucking hell, mate. He sells it like he's had his fucking ankle snapped. 
what, what is wrong with this guy? He's the worst. I, he's over. This is the thing, though, isn't it? There's these comedy characters who don't you dare, oh, don't you say it, don't you say he's over. Oh no, he's not fucking. Oh over. no, no, no. <laughs> who who over exaggerate things right. for comic effect? Yeah. Like there's there's so many things like when the heel manager is scared half to death by the baby face and like falls over, trips over, True. runs away. That's funny shit. Disco kicking ring steps is akin to when I broke my foot through petulance kicking a goalpost playing football. Sure. But like you probably kicked your heart, your foot against that ring post, quite, that ring post, that goalpost quite hard, you know? Disco. I did because it was the back of a goal and it had a plastic <laughs> covering in it. As where I wasn't wearing glasses, I thought it was a plastic bottle. I'd spent 70 minutes and no one passed me a fucking ball. So I kicked what I thought was a plastic bottle, which turned to be a massive metal pole covered in plastic on the outside as a handle. And then did this noise. <laughs> hobbled back onto the pitch thinking, just stole this out. And instantly someone passed me the fucking ball and I'd be through and on goal. And I was like, left foot it is. Poing! <laughs> Out to the corner flag. Off to the back of the other field. <laughs> so, after this monstrosity of bollocks that is Disco Inferno, we get back in the ring. Kurosawa hits a backdrop drivery type thing, which is super safe, which Shivoni calls, He's done his move! <laughs> Best call ever. I'm using that. He's done his move. Oh, it's so good. Before Nakanishi can cover, Disco's music starts playing. And I'm like, they just hate me, don't they? They absolutely hate me, Tax. Uh, it's a catchy ditty. The Disco Ball Lowers. A husky lad in a Disco Fever cosplay heads to the ring. It, a, a Ralphus cosplayer. Uh, yeah, as close as can be. He's not that big, but yeah. I tried to be nice about it because it's not his fault he's in this segment, you know? He He's basically had the diet we've both had over Christmas. Oh, mate, yeah, I'm feeling it a little bit. I'm doing my DDP yoga, though. Trying to stay fit and healthy, you know what I mean? I'm, I'm not Solid succeeding, work. but, you know, it's what it is. <laughs> Got a wedding to prepare for. Yeah, sure. Um, oh, Hank, just... can I just check? You're not inviting mm. me to your wedding because it's going to be like every re- re- wedding in wrestling and something's going to go horribly wrong. Are you going to get bitten by a snake? Oh, <laughs> took me a second to realize what you were talking about. Then you're talking about storyline stuff. Yes, I mean, yeah. yeah, we can do that if you want. Bring a rattlesnake. Why not? It's just like five of us. We can do whatever we want. Can imagine? I can imagine your future wife be elated. We're moving the date. Tax is bringing a snake <laughs> <laughs> and tassels. <laughs> <laughs> He's only coming in his gold pants. He's insistent on coming in full gear, mate. Do you know how much that would be amazing? That'd be so funny. Um, let's get Where's the ring bollocks. reaching on, down into my trunks? <laughs> <laughs> so, that would have been the perfect opportunity for a Manscaped ad. <laughs> yeah, sure. They don't sponsor this pod, though. You can, though, if you want to. Just give us a call. Call? Who does phones nowadays? Email, there you go. That's a thing. Or, like, I don't know. Yeah, things. I don't want to talk about this match because this ending annoys me, but we've got to. The Disco Ball Lowers. As this music is playing and this husky lad has come out to interfere. Interfere? Stand at ringside? Whatever. <sighs> Dance. Disco fever. Gently pushes the disco ball into Nakanishi's bum. <laughs> Not in, but against. I should clarify. For the one, two, three. Fuck this idiot fuck. Disgracefully, your winner is Disco Inferno. Another Disco Inferno low light tax. He's the worst. 
when I watched this match, all I could think of was, I really wish we'd watch this match together, just so I could see your facial expression. <laughs> because it would have been an absolute delight. I mean, to me, I've, I've not liked Disco Inferno ever. I don't like the gimmick. I think it's terrible. Mm. And I don't because have a degree you're of... sane. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have a degree of hatred. And I get the impression that Glenn Gilberti is only in this position for people who he knows in the company. I think our wives should hang out with Glenn Gilberti a little bit because he's obviously got some sort of dick-sucking technique that is amazing because how is he in this position? <laughs> Do you know what I mean? <laughs> I mean, I know what you mean. I never... <laughs> Hello, Mrs. Tex Williams. I feel you need to go to Glenn Gilberti because I just don't rate... Because <laughs> he must have something amazing, right? Because how else is he in this position? He's got really good ability to make it look like he gently caresses your buttocks with a disco ball, so much so that you're unconscious. How is this the finish? How do they do this and then be like, yeah, that'll work. Don't worry. Don't don't worry about fixing it or calling it in the ring or, you know, just doing a suplex or a roll up or anything. Just I'll gently mash this disco ball into your ass. Lay down. <laughs> Let me pin you, Nakanishi. You know, like, what? how do you think they pitched this to Nakanishi? Because <sighs> not being disrespectful, I get the impression probably that Nakanishi's like translation skills may not be overly um, top drawer at the moment. Sure. Yeah, I imagine. So. Hello, Nakanishi. I <laughs> could you imagine like the racism of WCW? <laughs> Let's well, young bucks at disco ball in bud. <laughs> <laughs> Let's not start this again. This is the highlight of the pod. <laughs> Disco ball and bum. You fall down. I win. I win match. <laughs> you face. I disco dance. Right? I win. Good. Yeah. <laughs> you know what? night fever? Night fever. Night fever. 450. <laughs> Fucking hell, mate. <sighs> that was a match, wasn't it? It certainly happened. That's the kind of thing that if I saw live, I'd probably find it the best thing ever. Because it's so terrible, I wouldn't be able to stop laughing and talking about it. But you know, we've watched a lot of WCW. <laughs> I've kind of had enough, you know? Of I disco, mean, that the, is. The first half of this series was really good because Disco Inferno was not on it. Agreed. Absolutely agreed. So, moving on. Brief highlight of DDP beating up Scotty Riggs and Bagwell chasing off DDP from Saturday night. Uh, leading into... Diamond Dallas Page versus America Male. American Male. American Male. Scotty Riggs. If you see them coming, you better run for cover. I've just realized the word coming in there has double double entendre. <laughs> Kelsey, you I don't like the fa- weekend lover. I, I, I'm really glad you went for double double entendre. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's my new gimmick. Double double entendres. It's about as good as discos fucking work, isn't it? Anyway, it's so going to be my new finish. I'm going to hit him with a double <laughs> double entendre. <laughs> um, you know what? I'm not convinced Scotty Riggs is really into being an American male. He's certainly <laughs> not in Bagwell's league, is he? Nah, he's not committed, I feel. I feel that uh, he's not really 100% in tax. I speculate it's because he just watched the match and was like, I was going to do a disco ball up the arse gimmick. <laughs> when I, I i didn't this isn't a line i wrote down but when i was like oh yeah i don't think he's 100 percent in i was like disco probably is <laughs> right <laughs> with bischoff's penis anyway so he's, 
<laughs> Mate, Riggs has got the clap and he barely even shows it. What's going on? He's <laughs> <laughs> been with woman. <laughs> Ooh, careful now. So DDP searching everyone for his ring. Uh, <laughs> he's been... <laughs> Just can't get his hand on into his ring, can he? I wonder if Kimberly's got her hands on DDP's ring. I made that joke already, yeah. but fuck it. Hey-o. So uh we get a hacksaw picture in picture. Hacksaw shouts something about rings, blah, blah who cares? Uh DDP does an elbow in the corner and shouts, I want my ring. <laughs> I can't stop <laughs> laughing every time he does it. It's so good. Mate, if he does a bit more DDP yoga, he might be able to get to his ring daily, you know? <laughs> Get rid of them abs, my friend. Ah, <laughs> uh, so uh, this point I should probably say, yeah, I've got to add the Lord of the Rings music last week. Sorry about that. Absolutely fine, no problem at all. Um, fucking Lord of the Ring, <laughs> or well, I don't know. I've saved my note because it's the post-match thing, which made me chuckle. Da 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 da. Just want to have to add it in, you know, to do it myself. Fuck it. So Riggs, on form as usual, does a drop kick. Zabisco goes, Riggs caught him a little bit low there. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking banter. <laughs> Zabisco is so funny again this week. He's not as funny as he has been in previous weeks because he's got serious storylines to put over and does his job really, really well. But having the little dig at Riggs during this match made me laugh so fucking much, man. Great stuff. Consistency was key, again, with Zabisco. Because yeah. he picked on Riggs really well <laughs> yeah. in the last match. Absolutely. Because Riggs is shit, let's face it. You're one, you're one way ticket to be in the flock. Yep, 100%, mate. So the crowd is absolutely, and I could not emphasize this enough, dead. They are silent during this match. It's not even like a mumble. Until dime, DDP hits a diamond car out of nowhere. DDP takes about 20 seconds to go bang and interact with the crowd for a bit. Then pins Riggs for the one, two, three. <laughs> Good on you, Dally. Uh, so your winner's DDP. DDP shouts to the camera about his ring. Blah, 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 blah. Make your own jokes. It's a, it's a match, isn't it? It's certainly there to get DDP on for this. Um, but here's a quick question hmm. for DDP being on this card. DDP, is he a heel or a face? Well, he's meant to be a heel. Right? This is this is important for later. DDP is a heel. Mm. It is important for later. I just remembered what you're saying. Um, yeah, it does beg the question: Is Riggs meant to be a heel or a face as well? Because I don't think he has a fucking clue. American males are always faces, <laughs> unless they're up against you know people that are actually over. Then they definitely get booed. But it's what it is. I, I mean, in general. American males are over. They're normally going against the Taliban. They're the heroes. They're the faces. That's, American males. That should have been their gimmick. They would have got over so much more, you know. <laughs> what? It's like Air Force. I'm thinking it? like racist Air Force stripper men sort of thing, you know. <laughs> Hello, we're the uh, American Chippendales, and we're here to blow bomb your country. <laughs> American males. American males. Load up the sea for American males. <laughs> As your family is dying, at least it looked sexy. <laughs> we hit you with a drone, American males, oh, American males. Jesus Christ. So it's WCW, so obviously Mean Gene has to interview DDP on the ramp after the match. Um, Gene has a good idea as to where DDP's ring is. 
think we all do, mate. Um, they chat about. <laughs> he's been up. He's been backstage with Kimberly. <laughs> <laughs> they chat about the BS taped fist match with Hacksaw at the Bash that they barely promoted. Uh, DDP searches Gene's pockets for his ring. Make your own jokes. Uh, I mean, up until this point, genuinely, it was going quite well. Okay, there's been some shit, but then they show the next match, and I'm like. Considering everything we were saying last week, oh, how the mighty have fallen, Tax. Bring out the best Hasbro action figure that I ever got to play at my friend Glenn Ifield's house. It's Greg the Hammer Valentine! This is a disheveled Greg Valentine, mate. He is not looking his best. I quite like some of Greg Valentine's earlier matches. He's not the greatest worker ever, by any means. But you know. Rhythm and blues all the way. Yeah, not a fan of that so much, but his brawly, angry, southern redneck type matches were okay, you know? Let's be fair to WCW, you know, they're spending good money on jobbers. At least they've got name value. Dude, so Valentine coming out to his Fisher Price, sorry, coming out in his Fisher Price flare robe when Flair <laughs> is on the show. You're like, dude. So Macho comes out in the... Sorry, he's facing Macho Man Randy Savage, by the way. You probably should have mentioned that. What the fuck? <laughs> okay. Macho is in stinger paint. And the colours of, you know, the 13-time Premier League champions and 17-time FA Cup champions. And also, we've got a cup in this cup and a UEFA Cup. How many of those have you got, Tax? We've got Harry Kane. He's yeah. one of our own, even though he started the Arsenal Academy. He's one of our own. <laughs> <laughs> And then we've got and we've got Sonny. He's one of our own because he generates about ten million of revenue from South Korea. He's one of our own. Sure, sure. Hell of a player though, to be fair. I, I put I put now. him in my fantasy team and he started to be a bit of shit, so he's not coming out of my fantasy team now. <laughs> <laughs> this is the same thing that's happened with me. Tottenham were top of the league and I started watching again. And ever since I started watching this case of Oh, this is why I don't ever watch Spurs play because it's really bad luck. <laughs> Mate, so Okay, slight detour. Sorry about the football talk fans who hate football. Just skip ahead a minute or two. Use your app. Hit the 30-second skip forward button, you know. So, um, the Arsenal game... I can't believe we're five hours later. <laughs> we're still talking about football. <laughs> so, uh, my dad... Uh, sorry, let me start this again. So, the Arsenal game this week was on Amazon Prime. And I was like, because my dad's been in lockdown, obviously he has bad acid problems, so we can't go anywhere. Like, she's just stuck in his house. It's quite a nice house, thankfully, so he's okay. Um, but... He he got Amazon Prime because it means he can get stuff delivered quickly. He lives in like pretty much central north kind of London area. So it's like he's very vulnerable, but he can get stuff delivered by Amazon. So I'm like, oh, shit. My dad can watch an Arsenal game for the first time in like, what, 20 years probably since Sky took it over. My dad hates the Murdochs, refuses to have anything to do with Sky <laughs> or BT Sport. Like he won't spend a fucking penny on it, even though he's fairly well off for himself, you know. And like, so I was like, oh shit, dad, you can watch the Arsenal game. By half time, he was messaging me like, I'm not watching this bollocks. <laughs> was like, it was so bad. Oh, it was so funny. My dad was just like, this is not the Arsenal I know. It's fucking boring as shit. And I'm just like, I know, terrible, isn't it? Why did you, just, why did you do that to him? He had this nostalgic, oh. fuzzy feeling of 20 years ago. Going to Highbury, you know, cheering on Thierry and Dennis Bergkamp and stuff. He's been to plenty of home games. And Sol Campbell, he's one of their own. Yeah, sure. He's <laughs> <laughs> done the double, don't you know? Anyway, so um, they lock up and struggle in the corner. So I go make a cup of coffee and I'm like, fuck this match. <laughs> How did it go? Well, um, my note's basically saying... Uh, 
Valentine starts slowly. 15 minutes later, he's warmed up. <laughs> Fucking Fuck hell, me. Do um, you know that both of these guys used to wrestle for Vince? Oh, God. Mm. I like that, like, Sh- Shivani commented, like, um, <laughs> Tony Shivani during commentary was like, Greg Valentine, he might be the third man. <laughs> oh, God. Can you imagine <laughs> what that would be like? Imagine during the main event of the bash, Greg Valentine comes walking down to ringside. He is like, whose side is he on? And everyone's like, who cares? We, we, we then got a, um, we then got like the little things like we're about a minute to go until hour number two and Savage just went, to, goes mental. Mate, um, mate, let's talk Val- about this finish. Hold on, hold on a sec. Don't skip too far ahead. Oh no, I was doing. I was going to be doing the back suplex where Hammer knocks himself out. Fucking hell, dude! What the fuck was this finish? I, I watched it. I was like, huh? <laughs> <laughs> the dynamite stick appears again for the the countdown. Okay, so someone literally shouts from ringside. You've got thirty five seconds left. <laughs> Do you want to describe this finish from this point onwards? I'll write it down as if I was working for like a, a wrestling uh, website. Do it. Valentine knocks himself out with his own back suplex and Savage finishes him with a big elbow with three seconds to spare in hour one. <laughs> Astonishing that timing, isn't it? Especially after someone shouted, you've got 35 seconds left and he hits the mark perfectly. What what an absolute pro Greg Valentine is. <sighs> Quick, we've got 35 seconds. What are you going to do? I'm just going to knock myself out doing the back suplex. Just stay there. So... Valentine hits this suplex and they're both selling on the floor and there's blatantly a conversation where Greg Valentine goes fuck it, hit the elbow, it's WCW, who gives a shit? (laughs) I've got paid. Yeah. Put the one, two, three, hit the pyro. Macho. Hour two. Fuck this company. (laughs) Jesus Christ. This has got to be one of the worst finishes ever, right? Hang on. This is on the same show where you're... Bar- this is better than Bloody Disco. Mm, is it? Yes. A million times, yes. Okay. Greg Valentine hadn't been doing his neck bridges and he knocked himself out on a bad fall on the canvas and Randy Savage is a consummate oh, professional. giving them disco so inf- much leeway. Disco Inferno tried to anally rape someone with a disco ball <laughs> and he sold it. <laughs> Fair point. Okay, I'll put this over. Eric Bischoff is back on commentary with Bobby the Brain. Cut to the ads, because, you know, fuck this company. Um, I guess, you know, yeah, we've got to show it, because we've got to see what Bischoff is going to say, see what happens after the adverts, etc., etc. Fair enough. Excuse me. We come back from ads, and Bischoff welcomes us, and has something to say. Right off the bat, I want to take this opportunity to tend some personal business. First of all, I am glad to be back. The crowd immediately like, weasel, weasel, Heenan, who's smirking and going, ah, shit, I can't say anything. This is meant to be serious. So funny. I did think maybe they were chanting Diesel. Oh, maybe, because I thought Weasel as well. Mm. But we're Heenan marks, so, you know. That's why I was cheering. <laughs> I was enjoying Heenan's reaction, at least. Um, Heenan does not want to be here at all. It's because he's scared. There's security everywhere. He's mm. selling it completely. Mm. Mm. We'll see. Bischoff continues. I want to thank all the people that sent in cards and letters to show support. You know, like um, Honky Dunk. That. Yeah? Good? Nice. Uh, well qu- quite frankly, I didn't expect it, and it was overwhelming. 
and I do not want to. Th- I, oh, sorry. And I do want to thank you. <laughs> Imagine if you turned here. <laughs> I'm the third man. Wait, you don't want to thank me for your cards? Also, I have something I'd like to say to the outsiders, especially you, Nash. <gasps> he name dropped him. Oh, I don't know what you were thinking. Seven foot tall, 350 pounds. Who were you trying to impress? Because let me tell you something. Hogan reference. I hope yes. you impressed somebody. You didn't scare anybody. Sting isn't afraid of you. Fair enough. Lex isn't afraid of you. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> and I know the macho man, Randy Savage, isn't afraid of you. Probably legit. He's mental. Um, Bish goes on to say, you know, they'll all be there at the Bash pay-per-view. Bush puts over the matches for the upcoming second hour. Heenan starts to put over the upcoming action, but then Detours is talking about being worried about the outsiders appearing again. And then Bischoff's response is, we've got enough security. You don't need to worry about it. <laughs> Heenan's reaction is to go, fuck's sake, Bischoff. I'm trying to put the story over. It's like, oh, it's such a legitimate reaction. It's great. That's the sort of thing that I get from my wife when I turn around and go, oh, this is really planned in my mind. Her normal response is, just don't think about it. <laughs> exactly. Like Bischoff's given this whole speech, which, let's face it, is... It's hitting the points it needs to hit, but it's not exactly poetry, you know? No, it's... it's He's done well so far with this part of the storyline, Bischoff, mm. but trying to be this sincere baby face, it's, it's almost like he's the... He's the top baby face of the company. He's been wronged and everyone's been sending in all these cards to, to, to get it over. It's the sort of thing that, you know, it just... It didn't work completely how I thought they wanted to. As you said, they hit all the bullet points, but... The fact that you've got fans chanting for either Heenan or Diesel didn't help this section. Yeah, it's it's, it's like Bischoff knows where he needs to get to whenever he's thinking about like narrative or how he talks on commentary or whatever. But he hasn't got the art of how you get there down. And I think that's why uh, Heenan looks quite so disappointed almost at how he sells it, you know? Yeah, the biggest storyline of this company's history and it's down to a non-performer at this stage, really. Mm. I know, obviously, Bischoff gets involved a lot more as a mouthpiece and a character when it comes to WWE. But at this stage, Bischoff is a commentator. He's an exec producer. He is not a character as such. Yeah. And I think that we all know Larry Zabisco has been amazing. Heenan is the classiest of class acts on commentary. And to be fair, Tony Schiavone's been absolutely excellent as well. He's been a bit green. Needs a bit of time just to get comfortable on these big WCW Nitro TNT shows, you know what I mean? But Bischoff feels out of place here. Like, I know he's an essential part of the storyline, but it's, it, um, I don't know, maybe I was overthinking it a little bit too much, but he doesn't speak in kind of fluid sentences and doesn't have that je ne sais quoi almost, you know what I mean? That extra little something that pro wrestlers have. To essentially put it in there, it'd be like, going to work for someone and the boss hires his son and he's in quite a prominent position he can do a job but he's only there because of who's above him and in bischoff's case he's only there because he's an exec producer if he wasn't he wouldn't be in this position absolutely man but there is a commotion in the crowd (gasps) there must be a it must be a ufc event and people are fighting the crowd better than the matches in the cage (laughs) The out- Every time I've been to see the UFC, that is exactly what's happened. There have been better fights in the audience in the fucking hugging octagon. Really? Okay. I know it happens occasionally, but that often? 
I've only been twice, and the two fights oh. in the crowd were fucking brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. There's a commotion in the crowd. The outsiders are here. Paul and Nash walking through the crowd, crowd with with popcorn, drinks on tow, you know. Security confront them, but Hall and Nash have tickets for tonight's show. And it's that classic clip of Hall and Nash showing their tickets up to security going, we've got tickets for the show, bro. <laughs> it's great. It's really good stuff. Um, They probably got their tickets, you know, outside the venue earlier for free. Woo! WCW! <laughs> yeah, we weren't going to pay for this shit. And when we realized they were ticketing it, you know, papering it, we were just going to go straight in. <laughs> imagine, Imagine that. <laughs> but this this was a first slight plot hole that I found. First, they Jesus came... Christ! <laughs> okay, go on. Well, no, they they had been at they'd been at Great American Bash. They've been rocking up unannounced, and now they've just bought a ticket to sit in. Why don't they just bully their way into the crowd? It's yeah, uh, still really good though. Sure, because I this is you mean NWO you know, rather than WCW in general. There's been plenty of plot holes, but not with the NWO. It's been very, very well told up yeah. until that oh, little yeah. point. And, he, and uh, even security, then, security, kayfabe wise, security would see them and be like, "Get the fuck out! Who gives a shit about your tickets?" You know what I mean? But yeah, they it's don't. like when they always keep on putting pictures of Enzo up at WWE events, going, "Don't let this wanker in." Mm-hmm. Yeah, on the old, uh, they've got it for what's it uh, called the uh, the Thunderdome shit. They got pictures of the I Bucks feel- and Kenny Omega and stuff, don't they? Absolutely disgusted now for even mentioning Enzo Amore in the same breath as the NWO. Fair point. So, um, Hall and Nash take their seats at ringside. Bischoff and Heenan sell the crap out of it. They do a great job here. And how do we follow this up? Our world's about to change. Blood runs cold. Fucking. Oh, I want to see it. I really want to see it. Coming July. We're at the 1st of July now. How do we follow all this up? It just gets better and better. He's... Na, na. <laughs> Keep doing it. No, no. He's not a shark. He's a man. Here comes half Scarlet Sharky. Shave your head, man. It's been two months. He's going for the Damien Demento look with just the ponytail. But to the side? Hey, Bailey had a side ponytail. No one gave her shit. <laughs> I am utterly convinced Sharky has actually been bicking like the side of his head that doesn't have the scarlet on it. So it looks even worse than it did a few weeks ago. Commitment to the character to get this title match. What is this shit? Why is he doing this with his hair? Like, I mean, more importantly, how's Tenta got a title shot? <laughs> so it's a WCW World Heavyweight Championship match of the giant with no racist Jimmy Hart. Giants, the current champion, versus John Tenter. What? <laughs> what? The guy who was wrestling non-uniform boss man last week is, you know, getting a title shot. Huh? I, uh, I mean, maybe there was a lawsuit. He hit me in the eye with a coin. Dude, I'm going to sue you. Let's talk about that match. shit. Go on, please. So they're, they're not selling that anymore. Like he got hit in the eye with a roll of quarters last week, right, and a sock. And he was on Saturday night with the thing over his eye, the bandages, and we're just forgetting about that a week later, are we? Maybe he'd fully recovered. It turns out that maybe he is actually still part shark and has incredible healing powers. Do sharks have incredible healing powers? <laughs> is this a thing? I mean, personally, I've <laughs> never tonked a shark in the eye of a, a sock full of change. <laughs> I can't say I've got experience in this field, you know? 
But, you know, if a shark's going to get bopped on the nose, if you're ever confronted with one swimming, you punch it on the nose and apparently that makes it go away. Bollocks, does it? Yeah. Run the fuck away. That's what you got to do. Just not get in the water. That's the simplest way not to be eaten by a shark. That's why I never learned to swim. It avoids that problem. Let's go. If, if I'm falling in the water and there's a shark there, I'm going to drown anyway. Might as well have a <laughs> glorious death to be eaten by a shark. Hold on a sec. Do you genuinely not know how to swim? I never... I No. I, I think I'm a scientific marvel that I have no degree of buoyancy whatsoever. So even in treading water, it's goes, nope. <laughs> I did not know this about you. Okay, good to know. Good to know, mate. So when we yeah, were so don't get a paddling pool at your wedding. We were talking about getting ferries across to OTT and stuff. You would have had to have told me this first. You understand that, right? Why? In case you threw me overboard for mate, a bit of a joke. No, what if the ferry goes down? I've been watching Walking Dead alive. for the last week. I'm prepared for the apocalypse, mate. I'm good to go. Oh, well, I just wear a life jacket. Just onto the boat. I, don't, oh, I bring my, my own. Okay, brilliant. <laughs> at Branded. Least, at least I know now. So if we ever get stuck in a big flood or something, you know, I'll be able to save you. Thing is, I love boats. Boats are the best. What they, kind they of they fucking are idiot are you that you love boats but you can't swim? Always have a rubber ring or... <laughs> I don't, I don't mind. DDPs. <laughs> no. no, you got that from Kimberly. <laughs> oh, fuck me. Okay. Oh, we well, anyway, back <laughs> to the title match. <laughs> <sighs> Fucking hell. Okay. Um, <laughs> my first note made me laugh. Sorry. Giant singlet is very hungry tonight. <laughs> <laughs> Giant hungry. <laughs> it's eating that ass up, isn't it? It's absolutely adoring it. Fucking hell. But so, in fairness to Giant, I mean, these two next <laughs> to each other, because I always thought Giant's a big lad. Mm. But. In comparison to Tenta, and this is no disrespect to, you know, Big Match John. Sure. Um, <laughs> Did you just call it Big Match John? <laughs> yeah. That's great. <laughs> Big Match Sharky John. I love it. Oh, it's great. But Giant looks fucking athletic in comparison to Tenta, doesn't he? Absolutely, man. Like, he's a big boy and he can... Fucking so good, man. <sighs> he you know got, he got a good match out... He, mm, he got a match out of Tenta. <laughs> <laughs> Caught yourself there. Good. Well done. So, um, so Giant Singlet is really, really hungry. And whenever Giant walks away from the camera, it's like he's kind of shooting his latest OnlyFans video, you know? <laughs> Brit Rest loves OnlyFans. So does Diego Sanchez, by the way. Did you see that this week? <laughs> no. Diego Sanchez has got this new trainer. He's a very pretty young boy. And um, they're, they're uploading uh, videos of them wrestling to OnlyFans. Oh, yeah. Mm, indeed, yeah. So uh, a few minutes in, these two are doing walk and brawl, but inside the ring. Pretty amazing stuff. Here. Standard. <laughs> Crowd is completely silent. Again, I cannot emphasize how silent they are. I mean, it, they try and make reference to it in commentary where Bischoff goes, sorry, Bischoff? Bischoff. Mm-hmm. Um, he's not a Bechmel source. Bischoff <laughs> goes... Oh, and look at the crowd. They're stunned into silence watching these two powerful men. No, they're not. They're, they're just, it's shit, Eric. It's, it's shit. This is emphasized by, you can see Scott Hall in the background is having a lovely time chatting away with fans at ringside, mocking the big lads below. Oh, it looks so big. <laughs> so funny, man. Scott Hall is amazing. Where the big boys play. <laughs> oh, dude, look at the adjective. So um, the match is a bit crap. But Tenta does a better dropkick than Riggs did earlier. Uh, Tenta's dropkick was excellent. 
on Giant, he reaches his upper chest. Ten fucking yeah. Riggs was drop kicking dickheads in the knee earlier. <laughs> Good old Zabisco. Yeah, sure. Um, Tenter on the attack. Gets his hand on, hands on a racist. Good boy. Love this shark. He's the best. Uh, love the manager bump. I've always loved this over-the-top rope bump for yeah, managers. It's really good. Jimmy Hart loves to take it as well, doesn't he? And he takes a good bump. Wait, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> but only from white people. <laughs> yeah, sure. Sullivan, my son. Interferes. Chokeslam, one, two, three. Winner is the big show. Match goes six minutes, 37 seconds. About six minutes too long. Good, good height on the choke slam. Mm, yeah, yeah, it was an impressive choke slam for a, a guy the size of Big, uh, not Big Bubba. That's later. Um, Tenta, you know, he, he takes a hell of a bump. Yeah, but speaking of Big Bubba, it was really nice he decided to bring his <coughs> village people outfit to the show today. <laughs> Non-uniform but bondage. <laughs> YMCA Big Bubba has. Clippers. It's fun to stay at the <laughs> Nitro Ring. It's fun to stay at DDP's Lord of the Ring. Young man, da, 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 have you wrestled a shark? I said, young man. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, so brilliant. Bubba comes out with a pair of fucking clippers, shaves off half of Sharky's very short beard. I'm like, who gives a fuck? <laughs> like, what is this? Fuck you, two days, two days growth. Oh, what a disaster, mate. Fucking trash. Young man. <laughs> you wrestled a shark. I said, young man. I think we're going to have to change to young boys. <laughs> have you wrestled a shark? I said, young boys. Have you been to the pay window? I said, young boys. Got the dungeon. Are you a fucking mark? <laughs> Don't sign for IPW. Dun, 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 dun. <sighs> Let me just grab a drink. Hold on. Fucking hell. Okay. Oh, crikey. WCW's been so much fun. I'm going to miss it a little bit, you know? I mean, the good thing as we go into like the final week of WCW, the greatest thing that we've had is the fact that it genuinely has got so many moments, so many elements where there's been areas of shitness, there's been areas of brilliance in it. And this whole backdrop to the most important and pivotal storyline in all of professional wrestling. It's been a really enjoyable nine weeks so far. Granted, we've had a couple <laughs> of real shitter nitros. Sure. But, you know, it's it's been brilliant. And, you know, we've still got people shaving parts of people's fur off. And it's nine weeks into the episode, <laughs> nine weeks into it. And that was me doing an excellent bit of filling while you got a drink. That was great. Mate, we're into like some of the most important storytelling in pro wrestling history. And we've still got Big Bubba non-uniform. The Dungeon of Doom wrestling fucking Sharky. He's not a shark. But, you know, it's, it's fucking marvellous. So much fun. And because it's WCW, Mean Gene obviously has to do a post-interview um, with the, on the, the Dungeon of Doom on the ramp. Why on the ramp every time? What is this? They were doing it in the ring a few weeks ago. Uh, but there's there was a reason they couldn't have it in the ring because of what happened afterwards because you would have seen movement. Oh, okay, yeah. Fair point. Okay. Let's just uh, go over this Dungeon of Doom bit. So, Dungeon guys do some shouting. Non-uniform boss man. S&M boss man. Young man. <laughs> mentions young boys. <laughs> these silver dollars he used to injure Sharky's eye. Yeah, forgot about that bit. Apparently that healed in a week. 
Non-uniform boss man tells us having a match with Sharky at the bash, and it's going to be a silver dollars on a pole match. Yeah, it's <sighs> Russo arrived in '96. What? <laughs> I don't remember this. <laughs> like that should be a lot of fun. Hopefully, we'll have a lot of bullshit to talk about with that because it's probably going to be a terrible match. But it's a fucking silver dollars on a pole match. How can it be terrible? <laughs> I'm quite happy to say it's going to be my first silver dollars on a pole match I've yeah. ever watched. Sure. Let's uh, have a little chat about Big Show's promo here. He berates Tenta for leaving the Dungeon of Doom. And he goes, Big Bubba's going to shave your entire body. Ready for that OnlyFans content, I imagine. And he's going to do it with Manscape. <laughs> Not yet. They haven't paid us. And he continues, First of all, the next thing I want to address, I'm like, first of all, what? <laughs> you already did the first bit. You can't say that. Show moves on to talking about the four horsemen and goes, never trust a horse. <laughs> never trust a horse. I couldn't stop laughing. Never trust a horse. <laughs> what? Goes on like, have you, have you ever watched Bojack Horseman? Never oh. trust a horse. So funny. It's so funny, Tex. I don't know why this dick would be quite so pink, mate. But like he's doing this very shouty, very serious promo where he's saying dumb shit about Big Bubba shaving all of Sharky, which has already got me laughing. And he just goes randomly, never trust a horse. <laughs> like bastard horses stealing our jobs. <laughs> Appearing in our lasagnas, making our glue. <laughs> so good. Never trust the horse. I just want a t-shirt with that on it now. Never trust the horse. <laughs> I, I mean, as you've mentioned t-shirts, it would probably be advisable to suggest you our dear listener, head over to amazon.co.uk to search for World of Wrestling Podcast and buy our CM Punk-esque uh, t-shirt so your support for the podcast. Only £15. Use some of that Christmas money your nan gave you stuck to an envelope. Sure. Best we, way to do we, it. We have a new t-shirt in the works as well, which I unveiled to you on Christmas Day. Oh my God, it was... I hope my wife's not too close to me. It was one of the, if not the best Christmas gift I received. Oh, amazing, man. Awesome. So uh, the lovely willpower has done some artwork for us, which we will be unveiling. Or maybe after Bash? I think after Bash. I think after Bash, but it's awesome. I need to get the digital side of that done first and get it all approved by Amazon and everything. So maybe after Bash, if not the week after. Okay. Well, it kind of, oh, we are doing Triple Mania the week after. It does have that thematically working, that's a word, I can't say words, shut up. So it, thematically it does work a little bit with that, but whatever, we'll, we'll unveil it soon. Look at the adjective. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> um, there's a Big Show talks more bollocks, and then he talks about the horsemen will leave as four geldings. Did you know what a gelding was? No, because Neither at first I misheard it, I thought, this promo. <laughs> I thought, ah, oh, Mr. Belding, he loves Saved by the Bell. Yeah, he's a big fan of Saved by the Bell here. Um, So I looked it up, because no one seemed to have a fucking clue. I imagine 90% of oh, the Oh, a castrated horse. Yeah. So, uh, wow, well done, Big Show. Yep. That's quite impressive. Sullivan, very distracted son. By, <laughs> by what's happening at ringside, says, I'll get with you guys. Got to get that OnlyFans content in. Bow, bow, bow. <laughs> Only seven ninety nine for the first month, guys. Snap into a Slim Jim with Macho Man. It's great. Um, WCW Saturday Night video promo package, blah, 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 blah. We come back to a Rey Mysterio video package, which is introduced by Bischoff and um, Heenan. 
basically, the only stuff they've got rights to, so Ray's recent matches with Malenko, it's, it's pretty good. But. Oh, yes. But. Bischoff's voice comes in over the top of the video package. And I love the way he does this. He goes, hold on, 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 hold on. Merges the words holding on really well. And he goes, stop this. Stop this right now. And I'm like, what's he got against Ray? He's like, stop the tape. Get security. And I'm like, ooh, storyline progression tax. Beautifully done. Really, and again, innovative. Not anything we've seen before. Mm. This is genuinely stuff we haven't seen before. Not like the whole going backstage thing, which everyone had done before, as we have very established on this podcast. Um, I love the way that they cut back to Bischoff and Heenan and there's a member of the production team standing in front of them who jumps out the way as they cut back live. Yeah, got a runner. Brilliant. <clears throat> really clever. Makes it feel so legitimate straight away. Like, that little thing, little things like that make the biggest difference to making you excited about what's happening. Really, really good touch. Added, as you said, added that level of authenticity to this. Again, high, highlighting this is supposed to be a reality-based storyline. These were genuine people trying to fuck with WCW. Yeah. Be nice if they kept this shit up, right? Well, <laughs> I haven't watched War Raw recently. <laughs> Burnt someone I mean, we've had tags. four murders this year. Yeah. We've had four murders on, on, on WWE this year. Love a bit of murder, don't they? The best soap going today. We make movies, pal. Mm. Hall and Nash wandering through the crowd over towards the commentary position. Nash has a mic. Mm. Where do you get that from? Can he do that, Joey? (laughs) (laughs) He goes on to say, looks like we're taking over a little early. And I'm like, oh, he did the line that Stevie did in ECW. We're taking over. (laughs) It's great. Hall calls Bischoff Donny Osmond. Really funny. Yeah. Hey, Donny Osmond's back. (laughs) (laughs) Nash continues. Hey, Bischoff, you get a few frequent flyer miles with that last ride there. Genuinely good line talking about the meh, power meh, bomb. Meh, meh. Yeah, very much so. Then there's this brilliant moment. Remember they're live on TNT at like what nine o'clock by this point? Maybe eight o'clock. Yeah. I think it's the nine o'clock hour, isn't it? Mm. The second hour. I think so. I'm I'm not really sure when these shows actually start and finish, but whatever. It's definitely before the watershed. Let's put it that way. As Nash breaks through the barrier, heads goes head first into security that are trying to stop him. The camera audio clearly picks up Nash going back the fuck up on TNT. And I'm like, hey, he said fuck. That was great. I mean, it may not seem like such a big deal nowadays, but in 96 on TNT, it's like a proper huge, good boy huge Christian deal. network. You know, this is, yeah, this is massive. Oh man, this was so good. Mm. So good. And just the way like they keep on flinging away security, like they're trying to grab them by the arms and they just like shove them down. It so well done. Yeah, which brings out Luger, Stinger, Macho, all in Stinger pain. <laughs> Leading to the best line of the entire series. What, Nash going, oh, look, it's the clowns. <laughs> hey, look at the clowns. Look at the clowns. <laughs> Genuinely made me laugh. It's it's just the difference between what has been and what is going to be. You know, these cool, douchey bad guys, which, you know, it, it's, it doesn't work great in the long-term professional wrestling, having heels who are really cool because they get over and you can't tell storylines with them anymore really but that makes us some great that, moments oh sorry i was gonna say that that was one of the the key things when um 
at Starcast where Bischoff did a panel with someone who wrote a book about WCW that uh, Bischoff's creating the NWO killed WCW because they generated so many cool heels you could never have a face built to go over sure because they would just never be cool enough and that killed their 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 promotion that they're very fortunate and that they have sting and what they I think, do with sting is very very good even though they fuck up his comeback and everything else but that's the only guy you can run against the nwo in reality is sting because of the history with the NWA and coming into WCW and how he was built as this super baby face. He's so charismatic. He's so good in the ring. But they even bury that pretty quickly. I can think of only two other people who benefited from this NWA storyline. One certainly more long-term than the other, and that was Goldberg and DDP. And Goldberg sure. was just purely by accident. Mm-hmm. And second he beat Goldberg, that's it. Yeah, the gimmick's dead doesn't work in long-term storytelling man you can't have someone just win all the time although he's going to win the rumble so you know (laughs) fuck in 2021 yeah it's incredible isn't it bischoff who was selling this on commentary says they want to do it in the ring and i'm like nah that's showing sullivan for the only fans but you know (laughs) (laughs) woo uh me and gene backstage with hacksaw by the way that segment was really fun wasn't it it was really good this was just this would make you buy a pay-per-view yeah absolutely made us want to do this series mate exactly it, Moments like it was if you watch any if you watch anything on this card go and watch this segment and then also just rewind back for, to see you know big match john go against the giant <laughs> absolutely mean gene backstage with hacksaw jim duggan because again this is how we have to follow up these amazing segments with this bollocks so uh do you want to go over this one I feel like you have something to say. I mean, first of all, I love the fact that during this entire moment, this is referred to as the King of the Ring. <laughs> it's one of my favourite parts of this uh, promo. Did they say King of the Ring? Yep. Uh, the King of the Ring is literally running opposite this on the other channel, by the way. Yep. So Duggan claims he went to drop a number two. He looked down on the floor and he saw this ring, which he had on his little pinky finger, started saying that basically... He doesn't wear rings. He doesn't wear earrings. And this is a this is a man-sized hand that can't fit this tiny little ring. Yeah. Um, he uh, Oakland keeps asking him questions, and Duggan ignores him, talks over him. Um, DDP charges him and calls Duggan a thief. <laughs> Duggan then throws the ring on the floor. DDP then scrambles for it, and then doesn't stand up for what is about half an hour as Hacksaw Jim Duggan, the face, wraps his fist in. <laughs> In light tape. Lethal then... tape tax. This devastating wrist tape he's got around his fist. <laughs> Beautiful silk tape wrapped around Duggan's fist. And he sucker punches DDP. And then <laughs> so then DDP falls to the floor. So face Duggan is a thief who shits during work. <laughs> and then talks about it on a... camera, by the way. Talked about it on camera. Punched a man in the face for <laughs> stealing his ring. And uh, sets up the tape fist match at Bash at the Beach. There's a joke about stealing Disco Inferno's ring here, but I'm not going to make it. <laughs> I love the way DDP sells the like lethal taped wrist punch to the face. It's like a Marx Brothers sketch, mate. He's kind of going, whoa, way. 
kind of going back and forth and like grabbing his head and be like, oh no! We're like, oh, it's so bad, all of this. Bullshit. I'm, but the good thing is, at least we know we're going to get two gimmick matches, three gimmick matches if you go for the one that's covered in the, our main event. So we've got a, um, a roll of silver nickels on a pole match. We've got a taped fist match. Silver dollars, by the way, but yeah, it's fine, go on. <coughs> it does I mean, make a difference. Value, <laughs> um, <laughs> sorry, sorry, my, my usage of American currency in violent matches on a pole is not up to scratch. <laughs> and we've also got a, um, a was it, a chain match between the Nasties and Public Enemy as well coming uh, up at Bash at the Beach? Dog collar? Yeah, double dog collar match yeah. because, you know, woman and Miss Elizabeth are around. There is going to be some utter, there is going to be some utter dog shit on this pay per view. I can't wait. I'm really looking forward to it. Gimmick, gimmick central. So, um, yeah, that's that segment, and then we move on to our next bit, which is our main event of the evening for the go home show for one of the most important pay per views in wrestling history. Our main event coming out one team of Joe Gomez. <laughs> The Renegade, and to be fair, the Rock and Roll Express, a bit past their prime, even though they're probably back in their prime now, of Ricky Morton and Robert Gibson, versus the Four Horsemen of Arn Anderson, Chris Benoit, Ric Flair, and Steve McMichael, God bless you, Mongo, with the harem of Deborah, Deborah McMichael, Elizabeth, and Woman. We immediately cut to ads as soon as the bell rings. I'm like, oh, fuck this company. Um... That's because the production team need to go up to Benoit and go, what the fuck are you doing? Rock and roll are wearing the red. Yeah, fair point. Absolutely fair point. Um, when we cut back from ads, though, for the first time, they actually have a decent advert for Bash at the Beach. You know, we've been airing these ads every week where it's been like, oh, it's going to be more beachy. Or they're like, oh, here's some women in bikinis. It's a wrestling pay-per-view. This one actually talks about what's going to happen and how important it is and like actually made me a bit excited for the show. It's good they've started promoting it like this six days before the pay-per-view. Call your local na- cable company now. Number no longer active. They took their time, but they got there. <laughs> you know, we can't expect much more from WCW, mate. But as you said, with the <laughs> sorry the na- the Nation Hall segment mm. plus this promo, it's a case of yeah, I'm sold to give them my sixty bucks. Yep, I'd be in. Sixty and ninety-six, more like twenty quid, isn't it? I think it was twenty dollars for the in your house. Might have been maybe like thirty forty for pay per views. I, I didn't. I don't know what the WCW pricing was. We, we didn't get WCW pay per views in the UK, did we? No, it was purely WWE, which I assume because the only real pay per view network was on Sky. Sky had the deal for you know superstars and wrestling challenge and Raw at the time. I'm guessing it was because it was such a closed market that yeah. that was it. I remember. Um, excuse me. I remember vividly watching Nitro some days and going, oh, there was a pay-per-view. Cool. What happened? And just seeing, you know, the little video packages or whatever, like letting us in on it. Um, I wonder whether they would have showed these pay-per-views, whether it would have been more popular in the UK. I bet it would have. Everyone loves a bit of a box office draw, don't they? That's yeah. that's where they that's where they go. Especially during this time period with Hogan and everything else, you know. So the bell rings and Ricky Morton and Arn Anderson get us underway. Yes, please. Everyone jumps in for a big old brawl as we cut to the ads. I'm like, oh, we already did that. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> They're literally doing the ad break spot, but they've just come back from ads. It's a bit weird. Right? Crazy. Not ideal, is it? Flair and Ricky Morton are now in. The best of friends. <laughs> you know some of the history, right? 
Yes, yes. Cool. All aboard the friendship. Good stuff. Rock and roll do a picture perfect double drop kick. And Flair kicks out a one. Scotty Riggs has a little bit of a cry in the back. <laughs> uh, the horsemen take over and go to work on Joe Gomez. He does a decent enough job of selling for the horsemen. He has the occasional kind of hope spot, but it's all right. It's not terrible. Wrestling. It's it's just the problem is when it got to this main event. Mm. There's, you know, they, they briefly mention in passing that Arn and Benoit are going to be going against Sullivan and Big Show at the pay-per-view. There, there's lots and of that, they, just kind of subtly mentioning, oh, there's a match at the pay-per-view, by the way. You know? There's no there's no right or reason. Okay, no. Renegade and Joe Gomez got beaten up five weeks ago. <laughs> but there's no reason for this match to be yeah. happening. Where Where are the stakes? You know, we're marginalising Ric Flair and allowing him to have his banquet at ringside. But but that's it. And it's always great to see Rock and Roll Express and it's always good to see the Horsemen. And I'm glad this match is on the card purely for the fucking finish. <laughs> oh, it's, it's like, yeah, the, the main event match makes n- fuck all sense going into Bash at the Beach. There should be something involving, you know... F- um, uh, WCW's team of, you know, Lex, Sting, and Macho at least coming up to confront the NWO guys or something, you know what I mean? There has to be some sort of build there. But they've already I mean, done imagine that, that. In the night, you know? Imagine that. What what are you gonna do today for Nitro? Well we're gonna paint our faces like clowns and we're gonna rock out like like halfway for an hour or two and then we're gonna fuck off home. Yeah, it's odd, isn't it? Oh, Savage, someone's gotta wrestle Greg Valentine. You know him from WWE, right? You know him from up north. Can you get a <laughs> ten minute match out of him? <laughs> I was fully expecting after this main event for the WCW team to come out to the ring, cut a promo being like, you bunch of pussies, you haven't got your third man. Come out and face us. Let's start this early. You know, Hall of Nasher on the monitor or something being like, we'll do this in our own time, boys. This is our way of doing things. Anything just to build to that main event. But there's fucking almost nothing. There is a something at the end, but definitely don't include the face team here at all. Bit weird. Got this bollocks instead. Well, you know, we've got Mongo there. He's uh, the cr- he's the crowd love it. Crowd love Mongo. Well, hate to love, love to hate. I mean, he turned on his friend. <laughs> he turned on his friend. God bless Kevin Green. Miss you, buddy. Loved you on this pod. It was so much fun. Arn hits a spine buster on Gomez. Bishop calls it a side, which was called. It's great. Bischoff says the oh, this is a, such a weird fucking line. They they regularly do this. They have like these military references out of fucking nowhere. Bischoff goes, the bash at the beach will be like professional wrestling's Normandy. You're like, what? No. <laughs> Definitely not. And Bischoff immediately goes, Oh shit, I just shouldn't have said that. There's no disrespect to veterans everywhere. And I'm like, yeah, kind of disrespect to veterans everywhere, mate. What? Oh, they're about to turn Bischoff into a gelding. <laughs> is that a thing now which is a massive compliment because it's like these men have massive schlongs fair so we're going to chop them off I choppy choppy your pee pee this oh maybe we should do that as a series <laughs> after uh, Velvina's getting his knob lopped off there's not much else apart from that there's like the bit with the wife and you know the formation of Kai and Time there's the classic match at SummerSlam with um, the oddities. Mrs. Yamaguchi-san. Yeah. There's not much to that feud. I, I hate to say it. It's quite quick. 
so so was the evening with Mrs. Yamaguchi-san. Do you you remember they turned Val Hill almost immediately after it as well? I remember one time when they turned Val Hill that he was like in a small tournament to become number one contender. I think it was like Val, Austin, Rock and Triple H in a little tournament. I would have loved them to push Val Venus. It would have been interesting to see what happened. Val didn't get... (laughs) You don't want to push Val Venus. (laughs) But like Rick Rude, you know what I mean? Uh, If they'd done it like that, then it would have been fine. (laughs) All of you Memphis sweat hogs... (laughs) Best opening lines. Love him. Regroup was great. This finish sucks. This fucking finish. So, <laughs> stick with me here, guys. Joe Gomez goes to make the hot tag. Liverpool in England's finest, Joe Gomez. Flair shoves Gomez out the ring. Renegade jumps in anyway. <laughs> like he got the hot <laughs> tag. Can he do that, Joey? Um, Upon slow motion replay, because I slow moed this little clip to see whether he did get the tag. Gomez technically tags uh, Renegade on the leg. <laughs> Not sure if that counts, but whatever. Was he holding the tag rope? Uh, I doubt it. Probably doesn't know what it is. Um, Renegade then jumps in, like he got the hot tag anyway. Can he do that, Joey? Renegade power slams Flair, almost dropping him on his head. <sighs> Benoit has to sell. This like he's going, oh no, I'm so injured because <laughs> Renegade forgets to do something to him for the second time. <laughs> it's fucking hilarious. Renegade pops up top as the rock and roll are in to stop the horsemen getting involved. Renegade literally has to go, all right, boys, can you jump in to stop them from getting involved as he runs to the corner? It's really funny because the rock and roll look at him going, you didn't get tagged, mate. What are you doing? Because <sighs> they know how to call shit in the ring, but this guy doesn't. So Renegade goes up to the top rope. Oh, Mongo. Oh, this is a gem. Mon- this is an absolute <laughs> fucking gem. <laughs> it's the greatest moment. Mongo grabs the Halliburton briefcase. He's learned to work safe, by the way. I want to preface <laughs> this with Mongo is working safe. <laughs> We've seen the damage that Halliburton can do to any professional wrestler. Mongo is meant to hit Renegade off the top. But instead, (laughs) Renegade dives off the top rope. (laughs) Mongo lobs the Halliburton across the ring, completely missing Renegade. Renegade does a half front flip, dumps himself directly onto his own fucking head. Mongo goes, (laughs) Ruh-oh. Heenan chimes in on commentary going, that was the best forward pass I've ever seen thrown. Flair pops on the figure four to Renegade. He's like, I'm dead. <laughs> Ring the bell. Winners are definitely not the Renegade. Oh, it's so good. Oh, my God. The, I, the accuracy of that briefcase throw was <laughs> he throws so it good. so hard. Completely misses. Oh. It's like he's a minute late, so he's like, fuck it, I'll just lob it and I'll hit him in midair, and he completely fucking misses. Some fan in Had the- he hit him in midair? <laughs> had he hit him in midair? It would have been really impressive. So, K-Fabize, right? This briefcase is meant to have like hundreds of thousands of dollars in it, so some fan in like the 20th row is like, hey, I'm rich! <laughs> <laughs> oh, Mongo, man. Fucking hell, it's so good. And this renegade lad is terrible this was delightful this this was I, this I, is why mongo has his own twitter page i show oh yeah fucking hey what's that twitter handle it's fr- mongo and friends 
Mongo and friends. Oh, yeah, so, it's one of my favorite Twitter accounts. Go follow that guy. He's fucking awesome. Just uploads like WCW gifts and stuff, specifically usually of Mongo. Yeah, the, it's at that's our Mongo. Oh, it's such a good account. It's Mongo mate. and friends. This finish tax. Oh, I showed it to Nandy immediately because I couldn't stop laughing when I saw it. Oh, it's perfect. This is what WCW is made of pre-NWO. And this is just former NFL superstar. Beautiful. Beautifully done. Heenan is literally pissing himself with laughter when he says his line. It's like, that was the best forward pass I've ever seen through. Spunk <laughs> goes like, wee. Oh, so good. Oh, my word. <sighs> so the match ends and there's still seven minutes left on the show. I'm like, are we going to get something? But it's WCW, so we have to cut to Mean Gene on the ramp with the horseman and Flair's harem of ladies. Mongo shouts. Woman fucking loves Mean Gene. <laughs> yeah, it gets a bit awkward towards the end, but Mongo shouts, as you might expect. Benoit talks to Sullivan about Sullivan and Giant for some reason. Oh, because they're having a match at the fucking paper, aren't they? Um, Arn talks about reaching the windfall, whatever that is. Uh, That's the, uh, the brass ring in WCW. <laughs> DDP? Or the man who's in, Disco? A, in, the, in the 20th row who's now reached his windfall of cash from the Halliburton. <laughs> oh, that's great. Gene tells us that Flair and Conan are going to be wrestling for the US title. And I'm like, what? They barely talked about this at all over like the past few weeks. They've mentioned it kind of at the end of little promos. Is this a bash? This is a bash. Jesus Christ. Where is our boy Conan? He's uh, in my daughter's toy box. <laughs> <laughs> that toy you got me. Sounded Conan a bit iffy the way you ago. said that, but yes, his figure is in your daughter's toy box. He's not from Brit Rest. He's not a pervert. <laughs> Speaking of which, Flair's fucked your wife. Woo. Uh, Liz is spending money. Deborah took Jean on her yacht. Flair has some posh cars or something. Um, Jean gets really uncomfortable as we cut to the ads as woman is basically like grinding up on Mean Jean. It, it's, it's a bit creepy, to be fair. I mean, what a great way to make Benoit jealous. You want a piece of this action? Did you I'm going for Mean Gene. Did you see the look that Benoit gave them as women started doing this? Yeah, he's fucking furious. Especially as Flair was whispering something to woman on the, like, the corner of the screen going, you know, it'd be a really good rib on Benoit. Fucking mm. grind, Gene. He definitely won't get angry. <laughs> it was a bit weird. We come back to Bishop and Heenan at the commentary position, position putting over the bash card. Three minutes left on the show now. The Outsiders still haven't unveiled their third man. This makes them cowards. Logic. <laughs> Bischoff chimes in. Hold it, hold it, hold it, hold it, hold it, hold it, hold it. I love the way he says it. It's going on backstage again. <laughs> like, what? Cut to dark, grainy kind of like footage of security escorting Hall and Nash out to the car park. Hall and Nash are making jokes about buying donuts because they're kind of fake cops or whatever. They jump into a Corvette. I say jump. Nash goes, I've got bad knees. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. (laughs) The outsiders drive off in the Corvette. Nash throws up the two suite and we're out of here. Now, before Hall got in the door, the policeman opened the door for him. How did they know that was their car? Yeah, sure. And more importantly... If these guys bought a ticket, why was their car parked backstage? <laughs> mm. <laughs> yeah, there's a few 
wrestling bits here. You know? I can tell you why it was part backstage. Because the third man was there and they were oh. meeting him backstage. Salvation, 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 salvage <laughs> the story. Not, not the greatest Nitro, but a fun one. Lots of very silly, dumb shit to talk about. The NWO stuff was good. Love the way commentary putting it over all night. Um, weird main event. The finish was fucking hilarious. Um, love the bit with DDP searching for his own ring. That's fucking great stuff. But a, a reasonable go home show for the Bash needed something else at the end. Do you think that they should have had the promo, so the segment where it all went tits up and they were calling out Bischoff, the outsiders calling out Bischoff on the mic to close the show and having the like everyone being broken up at the end to go off the air to show that absolute conflict rather than quite a, a soft finish where Hall and Nash were escorted backstage to drive within a Corvette? Absolutely. I would have had, if you're going to do it this way... Have them arriving. Have them show, show you know, shave it a bit mm. later. Show them outside. It's not 2000, mate. <laughs> well, I... I <laughs> I was going to say, show them outside arriving and they're like, oh, what are these guys doing here? We can't let them in. Or security trying to get them backstage that we're not going to let you in. Then the next part would be at the part of hour two. They've got their tickets. They're sitting. They watch this drossy main event and then it all kicks off. But I suppose they, because as you notice when they had the the kerfuffle where the clowns came out per Scott Hall and Kevin Nash, it was the horsemen didn't appear. The horsemen yeah. weren't out there. Mm-hmm. So I wonder if it's a case of Flair and Arm were like, we don't want any piece of this at this moment in time. Maybe. Um, I thought, kind of as I was watching this, that Paul and Nash would take over the show more from ringside. Like, you know, give them, have them steal a mic off Mean Gene as he's walking past and start doing like commentary on matches live to the arena and stuff and getting them to do like, you know, Encourage them to throw up the two sweets and ignore the match and just cheer for Hall and Nash and this sort of shit. Like really just shit all over Nitro to make their point. Um, but but the, that, w- that would have buried the babyface team going into it. Because as you said earlier, the problem yeah, is maybe. with Hall and Nash, they're cool. Yeah. And we can't have them being too cool because yeah. you know, none of them can do the work. I don't know why I thought things like that might happen. I think it's just because, as you say, the NWO guys... Well, cool, especially the outsiders, even like the most heelish segments. They were always the cool guys, you know. Um, But say you don't rebook any of this, but you do it as it was done. I would have at least have the WCW team come out to the ring or at least try and get to them in the parking lot right at the end, you know, and Hall and Nash escape almost. So anything just to say, look, there's a match coming up between WCW and NWO rather than going, hey, look how cool the NWO guys are. Alternatively, have them take out Luger to finish the oh, show. That'd be great, but you know, <laughs> bias. So, heading into the bash, cornflake rating for this episode of Nitro. Because it has some good stuff, but lots of hilariously bad stuff. This is a four for me. I had a great time. I really enjoyed this show. This is a four for me as well. It's, I'd say the best nitro for storyline progression for the main nwo thing that we've had but mm. the the de- it's it's close it was it was a close call between this being a three and a four purely because 
we now know a number of these matches at a pay-per-view that we've not actually had any build-up for yeah. on TV over the last three weeks. There isn't a good wrestling match on this show, apart from maybe the tag at the beginning, which is just the Steiners doing horse moves. There isn't a Cruiserweight Classic halfway through, you know, but just that finish in the main event had me laughing so fucking hard. You know, never trust a horse. <laughs> you know, like... <laughs> That shit had me absolutely in fits of laughter. So much fun to watch, man. This is prime WCW for me. Utter bollocks. But really This fun. is what we were hoping for this series. Because I knew we'd get a couple of dud nitros and we have, but I really wanted to get to this level before Bash because, you know, it's the end of this series or season, if you will, next week mm-hmm. for what we're going to be doing for episode number 10 of 10 of this formation of the NWO run. I've just... From a Nitro standpoint, this has been delightful to watch all of these Nitros leading up to this. Yeah, there have been a couple of dull, dull shows, but just even having the the fact that William Reed was not on the card and we've still got fucking no, non-uniform day boss man <laughs> and big match John Tenter. Yeah. Still is, is great. I love that they're just not letting it go. But that's the thing, isn't it? As you said earlier. The NWO is new, a call, it's dramatic, it's popping a rating, and then you've still got Tenter and Bubba <laughs> as one of their key focal points going Hacks into the Hacksaw and DDP the... about stealing a ring. <laughs> like, what is this shit? <laughs> That's great. And I'm dreading watching what would be the absolute shit show of Nasties versus Public Enemy. Absolutely, man. So, um, quick side note before we um, shoot off whatever. There was a dark match on this show. Was there now? Because I did not see this. Randy Savage went over Ric Flair in the Dark Show main event. But there was a special guest referee tax. It's only fucking Bruno San Martino. <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> Just like, excuse me? There was a Dark Show main event of fucking Savage going over Flair with the referee of Bruno San Martino. Um, did we not want to use Bruno on the show? No? <laughs> so weird. No, because Valentine was there. Yeah. We've got to get Greg Valentine on the card. Fucking weird. Anyway, um, I love WCW. Can't wait for Bash. It's been such a weird fucking few months, man. But doing WCW every week has just, oh, it's, it's made this tolerable a little bit, you know, chatting bollocks with you. It's been so much fun. This has been outstanding. But yeah, so next week, it's the final part. Bash at the Beach. Part 10 of 10 from the 7th of July, 1996. WCW's Bash at the Beach, 1996. It's going to be a shitload of fun. You're right. It's going to be shit. (laughs) Worldwrestlingpodcast.com is our website where you can find links to all the subscriber for all the podcasts and all links and all that bollocks. Those are words that people say, right? Like, subscribe, suck my dick. What? What? This isn't the end of Fight Club. Sorry, I was imagine Disco was in the room anyway. Carry on. <laughs> uh, I'm at the Tex Williams on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Um, follow me. I post fun shit about how terrible I am about at wrestling, podcasting, my job, and also now FIFA. I'm at Fanboy Rich. Watch my shit on Wrestle Talk. Um, because you mentioned Fight Club, you know how Tyler Durden is like not real, right? Yes, I have watched this film, so I know what you're talking about. Yes. Good. Should have clarified that first. Also, play Yaya Ding Dong. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I want to play you my song for Eurovision. No, play Yaya Ding Dong. Yaya Ding Dong. 
So, uh, what's the other character? What's Edward Norton's character in Fight Club called? I don't know. Okay. Ed Norton. I was calling Ed, Ed Norton, Norton of right. Fight Club. So, very much in the Fight Club, they established that Tyler Durden is not real. It's a figment of Ed Norton's imagination, right? Yes. What if it's Edward Norton who's the figment of the imagination? Ooh. We'll see you next week, everyone, for Bash at the Beach. Well, where is my mind? <laughs> Take care, everyone. Bye-bye. Never trust a horse! The louder you guys are, the better the wrestlers will perform for you tonight. And that's why I kicked your leg out of your leg. We're tough. We can take it, baby. You got to penetrate in the back, in the back, baby. Oh, I can see what you're talking. Wait just a minute.